Greetings, everyone. Thank you for watching the Plain Sense Telecast Ministry. I pray that you pray for this ministry so that God would use this for His own glory. Also, pray for me as I teach and preach His Word so that I won't preach on my own or my own thoughts, but the text itself. I pray that this ministry is being an encouragement to you and also a blessing to you. And I ask you to watch these episodes and also share these episodes with others so that they may receive the Word of God as well. Today, we're going to look at the topic, What is the Bible? Part 3. And in this specifically, we're going to look at what is inspiration. Is the scripture inspired? That is what we're going to look at. But before we go into the topic, we'll open with prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your blessings, many blessings. I ask, Lord, that you be with us as we are going through your text, and especially the topic of inspiration. I pray that you open our hearts and be receptive to your word, to your gospel. Father, I pray that many people will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray many will accept you, Father, as their Savior and as their Lord. I pray and ask you to bless those who are watching and their families. And also, Father, I pray that you... Help them if they are in any need, Father. You are our rescue, you are our refuge, Father. We ask, Lord, that you provide, Lord, for us, for all of us, Father. And you have been providing for all of us. And thank you so much for your provision, Father. I pray, Lord, through this ministry that you will receive glory, Father. You will receive glory. And I pray, Lord, that you will touch many hearts and open many hearts to be receptive to your word. And, Father, I pray that you... Lord, we ultimately be glorified, O oh Father. We thank you and praise you for this opportunity. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture, that is the holy word that we have today, is inspired by God. We read that in some theology books as well. It is inspired by God. What does it mean by inspired? What does it mean by inspired? In 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. All scripture, this is Paul writing in the uh, letter of Timothy, 2 Timothy. He says, all scripture inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. What does it mean by all in the phrase all scripture? Does it mean entire scripture or does it mean parts of scripture? Well, if you look at the basic text, it means all, because it says all scripture. So does it mean that every word that is given in the Bible is inspired by God are only parts of it? So what does it mean by inspire or the Greek word theopneustos? It means that God breathed. This may be confusing. What does it mean by God breathed? It means that God superintended his work. Because writing the scripture is not the work of the disciples or the writers. It is God's work. This is his word. As we talked in the beginning episodes, the scripture is God's story. The scripture is God's story. We will touch basis on this again. When it is God's story, when it is his revelation, why would he not care for it? These are not some... Uh, written documents with some people so that we can read in, in, our, in our free time. This is the Word of God. So God superintended His own work. Isn't that amazing? So by insp inspiration or inspire, we mean that God breathed there. God superintended the writings. It is God who supervised His work, in other sense, to make it even simple. God oversaw the process of writing His words. 
that means God is involved 100% in producing what we have today. So here, by saying that all Scripture is inspired by God, what is Paul informing us? He's saying, he's indicating that it has a divine origin, as we've talked about that as well. Scripture has a divine origin. Why? Because, again, it is God's word and it is God's work. There is a divine origin. Some argue that every scripture is God-breathed, they're inspired. And also some argue that every scripture inspired by God is profitable, meaning not every word of the scripture is, not, is inspired. But whatever is inspired is profitable. That is a wrong thinking. All scripture simply means, if you know basic English, all scripture means all. That's how simple. All scripture is inspired by God. And also in verse 15, Paul says, that scripture, the term scripture in a collective sense, by saying all scriptures are inspired by God, Paul is emphasizing what he said in verse 15. And what was that in 2 Timothy 3.15? And you know that, that is to Timothy, that from infancy you have known the, what scriptures? Sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he is using that term, all scripture, scripture in a collective sense. And you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able, they are able, the scriptures are able to give you wisdom uh, through, of self salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's using the term in a collective sense, the scripture. Besides, Affirming the divine origin of the scripture, Paul then affirms its use in ministry. Uh, by that I mean the remaining part of the text, we, we read that it is, it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So he was also indicating its use in the ministry. So what is the point of all this? I'm not really exegeting what Paul told in the letter of Timothy or to Timothy. But the point here is that God breathed, God superintended his work, God oversaw his work. God was involved 100% in his work, that is in the writing process of the scripture. So that is why we say that the holy word of God is inspired. It is God breathed, it is God's work. So God took care of this entire process. And also why do I keep bringing up this God who's watching over his work? Because it is his word. It is God's word. It is not some disciples' words. It is God's words, okay? And there is some element of, of freedom when the writers were writing, but still, but still, that did not happen outside of God's leading, God's direction, God's supervision. So we also notice that in some parts of the scripture that there seems to be a direct quotation, basically God dictating them what to write. And, uh, and that the recipient cannot change it because once a prophet, for example, receives the word of God, there is no way that he can change it. He must write it as is. So there are examples that we may think that God dictated the text. This is just, you know, a dictation. We will see if that is the case or not. Uh, when we read the phrases such as, thus says the Lord, or this is the word of the Lord, or the word of the Lord came to me saying. So when we read those kinds of uh, phrases, what we think is, well, God simply dictated the writers what to write. That is all. There was no freedom in, involved in it. Uh, there is no element of the writers thinking in their own way and or collecting information 
through the through the traditions and so forth, we may think that they're just some sort of uh, robots just writing what was dictated. When such statements are used, there's no doubt that the recipient must share the word received. They must share the word received or write what was received as is. They cannot change it. Why? Why cannot they change it? Can they really not change it? Of course they can. But they're going to face some consequences because this is the authoritative word that they received. They received the word from King of Kings and Lord of Lords, from God himself, from Creator himself. They have no authority to change the word. Again, the origin of the word is divine. It came from God himself. Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 20 says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. Not what he wants or what he wishes, but I command him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. Basically, what that means is whatever he speaks is what I speak. Basically, I'm speaking and that message is going through him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words and that, that he speaks in my name. That is a powerful phrase. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. What we see here, some sense of God dictating, well, I say what I want to say and that prophet must say what I say. That is all. There is no negotiation. Whatever I say, he must say. So we sense that maybe, well, there is some sort of dictation going on in there. Well, there are instances where it seems that God dictated his word to the prophets and so forth. There are also instances where that is not the case. God did not dictate the entire scripture that we have. I have mentioned about this before, that the Bible is the word of God. Yes, but that does not mean he made men sit down and write whatever he dictated. You know, he didn't sit on a tree and have his disciples sit in front of him and write every single word he dictated. He gave them freedom. We see that in Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets. Catch this. At different times, obviously not everything at the same time, at different times, and in different ways. There's no just one way. And what did he speak? He spoke his revealing, redeeming, and life-giving word. He spoke his revealing, redeeming, and life-giving word. And that too, he spoke to them in different ways and at different times. That is very interesting, right? So he did not make his chosen man sit around and write whatever he dictated them. That is what the different ways tells us. The phrase different ways doesn't mean one way. It's different ways. He spoke through his mighty acts. We can think of the Exodus, how God brought Israelites out of bondage by his mighty acts. There is no comparison. Nobody would come close to the might and power he has. God showed his work, his mighty acts to this people when he brought them out of Egypt. So, so how did God speak. He spoke through his mighty actions. He spoke through judgments. If you obey, I'll bless you. If you don't obey, you're going to be cursed. And God has shown his judgments upon his people as well because of the disbelief, disobedient to God. And he also spoke through his mercies. 
you read at the Old Testament books and prophetic books, for example, there's always judgment. There's also, also some sort of redemption. There is some sort of forgiveness. There is some hope pretty much at the end of every prophetic book. God is gracious. God is loving. He gets, does he get upset? Yes, because of foolish things we do. But he is also loving. He is a God who cares for us. He is a God who pours out his mercies upon us. Without God being gracious and merciful, we wouldn't exist. It is God who spoke through mighty actions, through judgments, and also through mercies. So long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. Now we know by reading the scripture that God spoke through visions, through dreams. None of that is happening now. So don't believe that if you hear anything about, I have a vision, I have a dream, I have this, none of that is happening now. So, but back in the days, God spoke in the form of visions, dreams, and also direct encounters with uh, Moses through burning bush and also through thunders and in, in the form of cloud. And he spoke in different ways. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times in different ways. This is not some sort of a dictation. That is my point. So far, we looked at what is inspiration based on the text of 2 Timothy 3, 15, 16. And also we learned that God did not really dictate every single word that is given to us in the scripture. God gave the writers freedom, right? So they operated with their freedom. Also, God superintended their work because it is his work. And we learn that God's word is his word. It is his story. So God must provide guidance. If he didn't provide guidance, then it can't be accurate. So God provided, superintended, he supervised his work or oversaw his work is what we learned so far. And we also learned that everything that is said is fulfilled in and through Christ. Jesus Christ, as we learned before, is God in flesh. Praise God for sending his son to this earth so he could save you and me. Jesus Christ is God in flesh. Jesus' words are nothing but God's words. Jesus is nothing but God himself. He is God. Whether one believes or not, Jesus is God. He is the Savior of this world. And Jesus is coming back again. So let's see what Jesus uh, spoke of the Scriptures. If Jesus Christ, that is our Savior, our Lord, our King, if He did not care about the Scripture, why would He even bring the discussion about the Scriptures when He encountered Pharisees and Sadducees and so forth, even to his disciples. Why is there a need that he would talk about the scriptures? If the Old Testament scripture, that is what they had during the time, is not authoritative, it is not accurate, if it is not inspired, why would Christ bother about them? See, Christ spoke about the scripture in his conversations. Matthew 21, 13, he said to them, It is written, my house will be... Hold on a second. Think about the phrase, it is written. Christ is saying, it is written, and then he continues to say, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. Where is that it is written? Where is it written? In the Old Testament, in the scripture. That is their scripture. Jesus was quoting there from Isaiah 56, 7, where the text says, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Now, this is the part of 
the second part of the book of Isaiah. So there's a, a redemption theme in the second part. So here Jesus is quoting from the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verse 7. And in Matthew 21, 42, Jesus questions the scribes and the chief priests. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? What is the scripture referring to? The Old Testament. Have you never read? Obviously, they didn't read it. So have you never read in the scriptures? He's not asking for a response. Oh, wait a second. I think my buddy read it here. He's not looking for a response. He's questioning them. Have you never read in the scripture? What is that scripture? Referring back to the Old Testament. And he also says in Matthew 5, 18, For truly I tell you, that is Christ saying in Matthew 5, 18, Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law, referring to the scripture, until all things accomplished. The smallest letter is Yod in Biblical Hebrew. And one stroke could be something like an apostrophe or, or, or a dot. In Hebrew language, there's so many dots, especially in the vowel system, there's so many dots. So, so not one of those letters will pass away until the law, uh, from the law, until things are accomplished. By law, Christ is referring to the Old Testament scripture. Jesus in his ministry also calls on several of the Old Testament uh, incidents. For example, the creation, the Noah's flood, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the burning bush, Elijah's famine, uh, Jonah and the fish, and also the Nineveh's conversion. He calls on these passages. Why? Because they are authoritative. Jesus himself is saying the scriptures have authority. They're his words. Scriptures have authority. He gives validity to those and even much more. Why? Because they are inspired word of God. Jesus recognizes the text we have today is inspired, is God breathed, it is God's word. And Jesus not only talks about the authenticity and validity of the Old Testament, but also of the New Testament. Did the writers write the New Testament during the time of Jesus, during his earthly ministry? No, that didn't happen. We know that. So then how did Jesus even give validity to the New Testament? How is that possible? Look at John, the Gospel of John 16, 12 to 13. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. There's no way you can take them all. I still have many things to tell you. It's not done. I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Isn't that amazing? He will also declare to you what is to come. Jesus will be ascended soon. And he is telling, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the earth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you the things to come. In John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Counselor, that is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. What is the New Testament about? It is about Jesus Christ. What is the Bible about? It is about Jesus Christ. The writers of the New Testament wrote the biographies of Jesus Christ. They wrote about the ministry of Jesus Christ. They wrote about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They wrote about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. They wrote about the eternal life that is given by Jesus Christ. They even wrote about how one can have eternal life by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about his work is what they've written. 
So New Testament is inspired as well. So Jesus already told the disciples, but the counsel, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and also remind you of everything I have told you. In his book on systematic theology, McCune says that Jesus indicated in his high priestly prayer when he prays for those who would believe in me, that is in Jesus Christ, through their word, who is there. To his disciples' words, that people would believe in me through their word. Their word is not their own. Their word is what God tells them to say, what God tells them to speak. It is God's word. So their word is referring to the word of his disciples. Why? Because the words of his disciples are not their own words, but the life-changing words of Christ. See, in my words, in your words, there's no power. But there is power in the word of God. And I seem to think that's why people are scared to read the scripture because it might change their lives. It might change, they're scared to read it because the word of God might convince me, might change my heart. So I don't really want to read the scripture. That is probably their fear. So with this brief passage, we can learn that New Testament is also inspired. Look at 2 Peter 3, 15 to 16. Peter tells, Also regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul, Paul wrote so many letters, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. Catch that phrase, according to the wisdom given to him. I think Paul was a philosopher and he can argue anybody. In the law, he can argue anybody. But look, he didn't use his wisdom. Paul wrote according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters and Peter's confession. There are some things hard to understand in them. Yes, some of the Pauline literature is hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they do with the rest of the scriptures of so Peter here is confirming that what Paul wrote is also God-breathed. It is, it is written by the wisdom given by God himself, not of Paul's own. For Paul speaks of the authority of both the Old and New Testaments in 1 Timothy 5.18. The text says, For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker is worthy of his wages. Now the first part is from Deuteronomy 25.4. It is an Old Testament. The second part that is, the worker is worthy of his wages, is from Luke 10, 7. So Paul was giving uh, credibility, validity to what Luke wrote. I mean, Luke didn't, he was not someone who just took notes. There is no indication of dictation. Luke did his research. He's a doctor, physician. He did his research, a thorough research. So here Paul was quoting not only from Old Testament, but also from Luke's writing. And how did this process took place. Second Peter 1.21 tells us, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. It is not the prophets who pinned down what they want to pin down. No prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God that we have today is an inspired Word of God. It is governed, supervised by God through His appointed writers. We have here the life-changing Word of God. So Peter tells in, in 2 Peter 1.21, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Not No, it's not my writing. It's not Paul's writing. It's not Matthew's writing. It's not Luke's writing. It's not Jeremiah's writing. It's not Isaiah's writing. No prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What does Matthew 10.20 says? Here Christ tells them, because it isn't you who is speaking, 
but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. What a privilege that is. Think about it. What a privilege the writer said. It is the spirit of your father that is speaking through you. So the text we have here today is inspired by God. This is the very word of God. God supervised his work through his writers. This is precious. God's word is beautiful. It has power in it. So what do you do with the inspired word of God? If we just take it easy, just think, thank God that we have God-given inspired word of God and just not worry about it, not be concerned about it. What do you do with it? In the inspired word of God, we have wisdom. We have hope. We have life eternal. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have eternal life, a gift that is given by God. So my question for you today is, do you take the word of God seriously or do you not take it seriously? Do you go to his word to seek counsel? Do you rejoice in meditating on this life-changing word? Do you rejoice in reading the word of God? Or do you read it on pressure? Oh, I have to read it for today. If not, God's going to be upset at me. Or do you really rejoice? Do you, do you grab the word of God and just enjoy reading, enjoy knowing God? Because by reading the scripture, we know God. That's how we know who God is. By reading the scripture, do you dwell in meditating the word of God? Do you dwell upon the scriptures or in the scriptures to learn about God so you could worship him better, so you could serve him better? The scriptures, my friend, must be a lamp to our feet. Psalm 119, 105 says that God's word must be our guide and our help. There is no better guide than this. God's word must be our guide and help. Psalm 119, 140 verse says, your word is completely pure. There's nothing wrong in it, which Lord willing, we will deal about the inerrancy later on. But your word is completely pure. We must trust his word and rely on it. Psalm 119, 160 says, the entirety of your word is truth, not just parts of it. The entirety of God's word is truth. There is no lie in it. There is no manipulation in it. God is not a man to lie. He's serious business. Do you trust the life-changing Word of God? God's Word is inspired. God supervises His work. There's no error in it. It is life-changing Word of God. Do you trust in this life-changing Word of God? If you have a habit of reading the Scripture, meditating on the Scripture, praise God. If you don't, then open the life-changing Word of God and start reading it and meditating on His Word. That is how you would know God and that is how you would serve God better. That is how you can serve and worship God better. May God be with you as you learn to learn God. God bless you. Thank you for watching The Plain Sense. We are so glad to be a part of this ministry. And it's all because of the grace of our Lord that we are able to start this program. You will find today's episode available on our YouTube channel. That's Dr. Joel Madasu's YouTube channel. If you have any questions or concerns or any prayer requests, you can always feel free to call us on the number below. See you again at the same time on the same channel next week. Till then, please keep praying for this program. Thank you. God bless you.